So let's begin with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being here. Thank you for the beautiful weather. Thank you for bringing each one here. We know each of us has an individual story and uh, a testimony of your leading and guiding. But Lord, while we're here, I just pray for your spirit. I pray that you would guide and direct in this class, that it would be meaningful and helpful, and um, that I would only say those things that you would want me to say. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is called The Up and Up on Greenhouse Trellising. My name is John Dysinger, and we have a farm in Middle Tennessee. Been doing it long enough to know a lot of what doesn't work and a little bit of what does work. And so we're just going to share today. And I'm, I'm not claiming to be an expert in greenhouse trellising. But we have tried a lot of things through the years, and I'm just going to share what we are learning. But I want to first get an idea of the, the audience that I have. How many of you have a greenhouse? Oh, that's good. Okay, small. Yeah, okay, I get that. So that seemed like the majority, so that's good. Um, I, I am this I mean the topic they gave me was on greenhouse trellising so I'm definitely going to be focused on that but some of the methods and I'll try to point them out some of the methods don't require a greenhouse some do require a greenhouse um, so some of these things you can do outside and and if we have time we can talk about adapting some of them to that um, so a greenhouse, even a small one, is, is not a cheap investment. You want to maximize the square footage. You want to get the most you can out of it. Um, and, and that is part of the reason for trellising. So why trellis? Well, there's, there's actually a lot of reasons, um, and we'll just name a few. It increases yield by going up you can maximize the space and and get more yield out of a small footprint does that make sense i'm having a hard time reading this it's anyway i can read it up here um, decrease disease by allowing more sunlight and airflow to the plants does that make sense by having them up off the ground, you're allowing the air to flow through and the sunlight to get to it. And um, you have less disease pressure than just everything sprawling on the ground. Okay, increase harvesting efficiency and ease. That's, that's a big one, actually. You know, it's a lot easier harvesting up here than bending over and searching through the vines on the gr ground trying to find your cucumbers, right? So that's, that's a big one. And, and of course, you know, a lot of this is kind of geared towards market gardening where you're trying to be as efficient as possible. Um, 
increase planting density. Because you're going up and utilizing the vertical space, you can get more plants in a given space. And more plants means more fruit, right? At least you hope that. Um, easier balancing of the plant between generative and vegetative growth. Now that's getting a little bit beyond the scope of this class, but I'll just say this and I'll refer you to a book if you really want to learn about this. There are a lot of things that if you have a controlled environment and that really means having heat and fans and stuff, but if you have the ability to control the temperature in there, you can actually steer, they call it steering or balancing the plant between vegetative and generative growth. Generative means fruit bearing and vegetative, of course, is referring to the plant itself. And so you want that balanced. If it's too, well, I'm sure some of you have experienced this. You have this super healthy, lush plant that's not producing hardly any fruit, right? That is too vegetative. And then the other extreme is you have these spindly, anemic plants that are trying to put out a lot of fruit, and that's too generative. Does that make sense? I don't want to go into it any deeper than that. And there's a, this book that I'll refer you to can take you as deep as you want to go. Um, and it's fun, right? Trellising, have you, you know, suckering and trellising. Emily worked on our farm this summer. She says it's fun. Um, I mean, kind of, right? <laughs> I mean, when you do it for hours and hours, it might start feeling like it's not quite so fun. You know, your thumbs get green. Have you had that experience? I think that's where the term came from. But it is a lot of work. And, and that's one thing I really want to emphasize here trellising is a lot of work and when you're busy on the farm um, you have to really weigh we're, we're, we're going to come to that slide but what kind of crops do you trellis well the big one that everybody i'm sure thinks of is tomatoes tomatoes is is the number one crop that that is trellised the other two big ones i would say are cucumbers and peppers and so we're going to talk about all those. The, the fourth one would be eggplant. Um, but then there's, you can, and, and there are people who do it, um, trellis melons, you know, like little, little Charente kind of melons that you can trellis up. And if you've got the market for it, that's a good thing. Of course, green beans, pole beans have to have some kind of trellis. That's not usually done in a greenhouse, but it can be if you have the space. And peas, again, you know, sugar snap peas. Um, pardon me for, uh, you know, I'm coming at it from a market gardening point of view, so I'm, I'm always thinking about, you know, ways to make money kind of thing. So if that doesn't apply to you, just understand that that's the way I think as a market gardener. But this is a, a key point I want to really bring out here. 
you have to look at the potential yield increases versus the time involved in trellising and decide whether it is worth the additional effort. I have a friend who grows, or at least he used to grow hundreds of acres of paste tomatoes up in New Jersey, all on the ground. They literally planted them and left them, and that's the way they did it. Come harvest time, they have machines that come through, makes you question your paste tomatoes. <laughs> um, but comes through and pulls up the plant and takes everything off of it. And so you don't even have to trellis tomatoes. Um, but, you know, you're going to, if you live in a place where you get much rain, you're going to have a lot of rotten fruit and stuff. So you just have to weigh it. And, you know, for us as market gardeners, we tried for a number of years to really uh, sucker and trellis peppers and eggplant but we just couldn't surround it all so we we do a much simpler way of trellising them now that I'll talk to you about um, so anyway as you think of all this it's like okay is this worth the additional effort for me you know if you're a home gardener um, yeah, you, you know, you, you have a, another job, and so this is an extra, and so you've got to think about that. So, two main types of trellising we're going to talk about, and then at the end I'll just mention a third type. The first is um, called stake and weave, or um, the basket weave or Florida weave. Those are all terms for the same kind of thing. Is it quick? Because I'm not supposed quick. to take okay. questions. Are these available online? The slides, yeah, slides will be available, yes. Um, we're, we're supposed to turn them in for, they'll be on Audioverse. Okay. So, yes, we will, I will make that available. Um, man, it's really awkward having to look back here, but maybe if I... It's just too small here for me to see. Oops, that wasn't what I wanted to do. Sorry about that. Um, so stakes are driven into the ground between the plants in the row. And this is kind of an aerial view of how it works. And it depends on how many stakes you have and... Um, what you're growing, you know, some people put stakes every two plants and and others go as far as four or five or even more plants between stakes. Um, twine is attached to the end stake and then run down one side of the plants, wrapping the twine around every stake and then back the other side. I was trying to figure out how to demonstrate that here. And I didn't really come up with a good way, but I'll just show you. This is really helpful. You, you buy this tomato twine, and it actually has a, a belt loop thing here. So you can just stick it on your belt. And then you, you pull it out, and you, you have something like this, just a piece of, uh, of PVC pipe or something. 
And of course, as I demonstrated, I won't be able to get it through here properly. Anyway, you get it through here, right? And ideally for steak and weave, you don't want um, stakes higher than your armpit. That's ideal. Sometimes you run out of short stakes and you gotta lose longer stakes or whatever. But you tie it at the end and then you, you're, you're just pulling it out of here and you're going down to the next stake, wrapping around, making sure it's tight, going down to the next stake, wrapping it around. You get the idea? So down one side and back the other. And this picture doesn't really, it doesn't show it wrapped all the way around each stake, but I definitely recommend that. Otherwise, it loosens up and you've kind of wasted your time. Um, so that's the fastest way to do it. But you can also, if you need to, um, weave it kind of, that's the stake and weave part, you know, one side of the plant and around the other side and back and forth that way to kind of hold it up better. Um, I would not, I mean, that's just more work, but if you get behind and the plants are flopped over, um, sometimes you kind of need to do that to hold them back up, okay? Let's keep going here. So you do that ideally, you know, when the plant's not more than a foot tall, you start them young. And then you would repeat that every 8, 10, 12 inches um, as the plant grows. So really, you know, once a week, you're running a string down and back. And if you stay on top of it, it's really not very difficult. And it's quite fast. Um, and that's just holding the plant upright. Um, yeah, alternately you can wrap the string around each plant. So here, here's a picture of a greenhouse that has been done stake and weave. Um, so it's faster and easier than string trellising, but it loses some of the other trellising benefits. With string trellising, you're gonna be suckering and stuff. With this, you don't do any of that suckering. So it's much denser foliage, which means you may have more issues with disease and stuff. So it's a trade-off, it's faster, but it, it doesn't get all the benefits of trellising. Um, definitely mainly done with determinate tomatoes. You all understand determinate and indeterminate, I hope. If not, uh, you know, determinate grows to a certain height and stops and indeterminate keeps going and going. Um, other plants that don't require suckering. So we use this mainly on peppers and eggplant. It's actually a little bit of a variation of this that we'll talk about, but we found it's the best, most uh, economical labor-wise to do this with peppers and eggplant. Um, now, another reason why you might need to do this is if you don't have a heavy-duty greenhouse structure. And it's important for you to understand this. If you have 
a big greenhouse full of tomatoes, you have thousands of pounds. If, if it's trellised to your structure, um, you've got a lot of weight pulling down on that structure. And I would never recommend um, string trellising in a greenhouse that doesn't have trusses. Do you know what I mean by trusses? Yeah. Um, now, you know, I know the caterpillar tunnels that Farmer's Friends sells, you can get away with a couple rows in there if you want to do a couple rows just trellis to because those don't normally have um, trusses but if you're going to get a lot of fruit in there you know you'd hate to come out one morning to find you'd collapsed your greenhouse <laughs> under the weight of your tomatoes so if you don't have that either you're going to do stake and weave or else you're going to have to build some kind of end posts inside there some kind of you know with with supports coming in to hold it up to hold your your um your trellis wires does that make sense make sure everybody's following here um so those are are the places where we would use stake and weave now the other type of trellising is string trellising or or some variant of that which we're going to talk about here um, this is a hydroponic greenhouse i'm not in any way um, advocating hydroponics but it just was a picture that showed the strings very clearly so um, i put it in strings are attached to an overhead wire cable or pipe people use different things um, and again you have to make sure your structure is strong enough to handle the weight of the trellis and what's on it um, plants are trained up the strings by either twisting the plant around the string or using some kind of clip um, i have some clips here probably most of you've seen this these clips clip onto the string so it holds it and then clips around the the plant um bit of a pain because there's not only all the work of putting them on but then what do you do with them at the end of the season and that's that's a lot of work okay but that's so you can just string the plant ar around or, or gently work it around the string. I don't really recommend that method. Um, number one, because if you're not really gentle, you can break the tops off the plant. Number two, I've actually seen when we've done it um, where the plant kind of grows around the string and I just doesn't look healthy for the plant, you know, to... I mean, it's like barbed wire on a, on a tree, you know, the tree grows around it. Well, the plant grows around the, the string. So, but some people do it. And the, the one tip I would say there is make sure everybody's 
stringing it the same way you know have a rule it all goes clockwise or counterclockwise because otherwise one person comes along and undoes what the previous person just did because they're twisting it the wrong way um plants are suckered or pruned as they go does everybody know what a sucker is um on a tomato plant it seems like generally you know what that is um again this is a way of balancing the plant so you're 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 taking some of that generative growth, taking it off and forcing the plant to put its energy more into fruit bearing. But it's a standard practice in trellising tomatoes in a greenhouse. I don't recommend it for outside, um, but in a greenhouse, you would normally do that Plants are often lowered and leaned when they reach the top of the string, especially indeterminate tomatoes and cucumbers. So that doesn't work so well in short greenhouses because, you know, if, if your greenhouse is only this tall and you're lowering it when it gets up to this height, oftentimes you'll end up with fruit on the ground. You know, you can, you, you I mean, the plant grows quite a bit between the the tip and where the fruit is actually ripening um, so it, it becomes a challenge but I, I will show you a, a, a possible solution for that um, using wickets so again this is a this is a very fancy greenhouse but I my problem is I don't take pictures on our farm, so I, I just, I redetermine every ad agra to take more pictures and then it doesn't happen. But um, you have to do something at the end of the row and we'll talk about that more in a minute here. Strings are usually hung from the top wire by either tying if you're not going to lower and lean, if you've got a short season and you don't want to go to the work of leaning and lowering, then you can just tie your string to the top wire. But if you're going to all the work to do this, I think it's better to have a system where you can lean and lower, which means, you know, if you start your, your tomatoes early in the spring, that plant could be 20 feet long by the end of the season or even longer well your greenhouse isn't 20 feet tall so you have to keep moving it down lowering the top and moving it down the line so then what do you do when it comes to the end of the greenhouse cut a hole in the side no it's actually better to use what we do is is pound in a tall t-post and put a three or four inch PVC pipe over the end. And then you take it around the corner and that's what this picture is kind of showing. At the end of the greenhouse, you've got to, so, so, well, let me, I think I've got, well, I guess I don't. Um, well, it's in here somewhere. But basically, either you need to have two rows of tomatoes in your bed 
or else if you just have one row of tomatoes, every other plant's gonna lean out a different way. Does that make sense, you following? And so this side, you're leaning this way, and this side, you're leaning this way. You following? And so when it gets to the end, it goes around the corner and you end up with this tomato merry-go-round. They come down this way around the corner and the pipe, the PVC pipe is just to kind of give them a gentle curve around the corner and then they're coming back the other side. That's the basics of how leaning and lowering works. Um, but again it's it's there's there's some real drawbacks to this in the professional greenhouses they actually have scissor lifts where the workers are up on the scissor lifts and their their vines may be 12 15 feet tall so they're just working up there at the top on the scissor lift um, but we don't have a scissor lift in our green do any of you have a scissor lift in your greenhouse I don't think so. So what's the alternative? A stepladder. Can you imagine how many times you're going up and down the stepladder for every plant, getting up there, lowering some string, moving it down a foot or two, coming back down, going to the next plant, doing it all over. I mean, it's very inefficient. And, and where do, what, what does heat do in a greenhouse? it rises so every step up the ladder is a few degrees hotter and come summertime being on a ladder in a greenhouse is not an enviable position okay so i want to tell you an alternative system that we've started using the last couple of years and it's taken us a while to understand it because we didn't get trained properly in it. But the clipper system, I have one right here, available from Farmer's Friend. Are you all familiar with Farmer's Friend? I just want to make it clear, I get no commission from <laughs> Farmer's Friend. This is my son's company, but they sell these. And, and there's two other places that I know of in the U.S. that sells them, and I've got those references at the end. But these things are amazing because um, they come in different lengths depending, you want a pretty high string. So it's up here somewhere, ideally, up about this height. This just hooks on the string real easy. And then you have these two clips and um, it, it takes a bit to get used to because they work the opposite of those plastic clips. Those plastic clips, you clip around the string and then around the plant. This goes around the plant and then onto this. Okay, so you have one clip at the bottom. There's a knob at the bottom here that holds it. And then one clip up here. And rather than just talk about it, I'm going to try to play you a video here. I don't know what I'm doing with this, but I hope it'll work. But anyway, it uses stiff wire and two clips and is especially helpful with um, on tomatoes and cucumbers. Um, 
The other alternatives to this, I have one here. This is called a tomahook. It's the cheapest way, but every spring, um, you know, you've got to tie string on here and roll this thing. And you got to guess, okay, how tall are my vines going to be by the end of the season? And so this is called a tomahook. So you just roll a bunch of string on there and cut it off. My son actually made a, a nifty little um, little roller for doing this, which was great. I think he's going to show pictures of it. Cut that off, and then you've got all these in a bin, and you've got to hang them up and, and put the string out, and they all get jumbled up in the bin, and it really tests your your Christian character trying to get them undone. And then you have the same thing at the end of the season. You know, how do you store these things? And I mean, it's just, it works, but it's a pain. The other one is called a roller hook. I don't have any of those, but they again hook on the top and it's, it's got a pre-rolled roll of string and you just kind of squeeze it and it lets out a little bit. With this, you just, um, well, I got it. Can't see what I'm doing here. Um, you just, you know, let out a couple lengths every week. You know, this is your lowering, and then you move it down the, the thing. But it's just a pain. So this takes care of all that because you stay on the ground. You know, this is stiff, so you just move it down as you go and um, the plant the top of the plant's going to be up here somewhere and i'm just going to try to this is the big thing it keeps you on the ground which is huge um, easier faster and cheaper in the long run that you know you never have to buy string or clips again now i will say these foam this is a foam in here that they recommend replacing every couple of years. It's pretty cheap to buy replacement foam. Um, I think we've had ours three years, but I think we are going to replace the foam this year. So let me see if I can get this video. Oh, that wasn't what I wanted. I, I wish I had somebody who knew what they were doing to help me. But... Um, yeah, I'm trying to. Okay, let's see. Let's try that. Yeah, here we go. Oops. Oh, no, I don't have internet. Ah. This is just a short video, but it sh just shows how fast and efficient it can be done. Okay, sorry. Choose, nope, choose at every scan. Do you want to put it in? No. Oh, share. okay, Good. great, thank you. Lucia to the rescue here. Okay, let's, wait, we were there, how, let's see, let's, okay, let's, yeah. I don't...
Well, there's really no... Uh, oh. Okay, so notice it's just a... a um, she, she takes off the lower one, slides down the top one, moves it over, takes off the lower one, slides off the top, puts the top up, takes the, tr the suckers off, and repeat. Just super fast and super efficient. Sorry, I shouldn't have unmuted it there, but... Anyway, you get the idea? Is that more efficient than, than the string with the clips? And let me tell you this. Okay, let's get out of this before we see something we don't want to see. <laughs> um, I know a farmer who I visited his farm this winter, a very successful farmer up in Michigan, um, who bought these and he's not even using them properly. He doesn't know how to use them properly. But he bought them just for the ease of taking down at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. He said it's boosted the morale of his workers tremendously. Because <laughs> at the end of the season, you have two clips to take off. And your plant is free and clear. Is that... I mean, you get that? Um, so, so literally, you're just taking off this bottom one. You just press this a little bit so it slides down. Put the next one back up here and keep going. Move it down. Super fast and efficient. And they're really not that expensive. I think it's like $2 a piece or I don't know, maybe... 250 I, I forget um, for the wire and the two clips but it's not a lot is it one wire per one wire per per plant, per plant or per liter to make it more complicated how, we'll how high or how big oh man that's a good question that I I should have uh made sure I double checked that but I, I would say the best thing to do is <coughs> your greenhouse supply company will know what size cable we use cable but you can also I know a lot of people use high tensile wire high tensile fence wire so that can work um, but yeah just something that can hold a fair bit of weight um, so just a few tips for using this um, that we learned the hard way. Make sure you get the right length of wire. So something else I didn't talk about here. Um, see, if, if it's like this height, you, you want these two at a good working height. You know, you don't want to have to be way up here or down here. You want it at, at a good working height. So what are you going to do to get the tomato up to here? Um, and, and so this is still, it's a bit of a pain, but it's worth it. So you take just something, I, I would recommend an untreated sisal or jute twine or something. And if you go on the Clipper website, they'll show you how to tie this on here. They use a certain knot that I haven't learned yet, but... Um, 
tie it on there and then at the end of the season you just you know yank it and it comes off or actually I mean you don't have to wait till the end of the season as soon as the tomato gets up to this height you no longer need your string so you can get rid of it and um, and then from from then on the magic takes place um, okay so you know depending on the height of your your trellis wire you're gonna and this is what this chart um, shows you know um, you're gonna have different length hooks to keep you at the right level here um, the bottom clip should always be on the bottom knob you know if if you have it up higher the weight of the tomato plant could pull it down so it can't I mean, once it's on that bottom knob, it's not going anywhere. Okay. Uh, move clips weekly. This is important, especially at the beginning of the year, because the stem, if you're not careful when that plant's really vegetative back in the early part of the year, um, it will get so big that you can't unclip these things and that's a bit of a pain did you all ever experience that yeah so so this is little attentions often repeated um, you got to keep that thing moving once the plant gets taller and it's not so generative i mean not so vegetative it's less of an issue but in the early season be careful or or you'll get these things so you can't get them off easy um, yeah, I already said use biodegradable string to tie on the knob for getting the plant started. Um, then let's, we can talk about wickets, and I'm only talking about this from what I've seen. I haven't actually used them, but the standard lower and lean method, it looks kind of like on, I guess that's your right there. And again, depending on the height of your, your, your wire, if you're not careful, you end up with ripe fruit on the ground and all your work is going to waste. So these wickets have a neat way of solving that by keeping the plant off the ground. And rather than leaning, putting that stress on the plant, um, you're keeping it up off the ground and it's it's much easier to pick that way i haven't tried them yet these wickets are available from never sink tools <coughs> but i was talking to somebody last night here who said he's made his own kind of wickets by using um dura ladder does anybody know what dura ladder is i think that's what he called it for brick brick layers use it or block layers between layers of block a galvanized kind of ladder shaped thing and he uses those and just bends them to the right shape so anybody with a little ingenuity could come up with their own wickets i think it's really the next step or next level like i say literally kind of the next level um so quickly I, I let's see what time are we stopping here 345, 345. okay 
tomatoes. We're just gonna, I, I already talked about this planting a double row in your bed or making the plants lean out different ways. I really recommend grafted plants if you're going to the work of lowering and leaning. Um, and that's a whole nother session, but grafted, you can buy or do it yourself. Grafted tomatoes, they, they're more vigorous they'll go longer in the season. So it's like, if you're gonna go to all this work, go ahead and, and get grafted plants and get the most out of them. Um, and if you're gonna use a grafted plant, many times they will use a second leader. You know what that means? You let the first sucker go and you actually have two heads. And again, it's a way of, because, because grafted plants are so vigorous, sometimes they're too vegetative and you've got to try to, to let them get some of that energy out in, in a second liter. Sometimes with cherry tomatoes, they'll actually go three or four liters. But I'll just tell you this, from a trellising point of view, it's much, much easier and more straightforward to just keep them single leader. Um, you take all the suckers off, allow, well, as the plants grow, you're pruning off. Again, this, is, this class is not on pruning. That's a whole nother subject, but you're taking off all the foliage below the ripening fruit trusses. Um, and that just allows airflow under there. And those older leaves are the ones, the first ones that are gonna get diseased and stuff. Um, and you wanna keep that plant at a comfortable working height. And again, that's most easily done with the clipper system. So moving right along here to cucumbers. <coughs> this is the, the second most trellised crop. Um, the, the standard trellising for a cucumber is typically just running a line of plants down the middle of your bed, um, you know, depending on how fertile your soil is, you can do them closer than 12 inches, but usually 12, to, we do them 15 inches apart. And you're going to take off all the fruit on the bottom two feet of the plant. You want that cucumber to put its energy into its roots. And then, um, well, ideally, if you're doing this in a greenhouse, you're looking for gynoecious and parthenocarpic characteristics. And since you all know what that is, um, gynoecious just means all, and I may not be saying that right. I was gonna look that up, the, the pronunciation, but um, all female flowers and parthenocarpic just means it doesn't need pollination. And so they tend to have smaller seeds, which is what people like, you know. It, that's why cu greenhouse cucumbers are more um, expensive in the store. And they, they will tend to have powdery mildew resistance as well. So you can either use this method with the clipper system just like i was telling you 
basically leaning and lowering or using the wickets. That's becoming more common. Um, the other system is what's illustrated here where you're just, you're suckering the plants and taking off that lower fruit and training it up to the wire. Then when it gets up close to the wire, you, you um, top it off, pinch off the top and let two suckers come out and go down the wire a little ways, make sure they're over the wires so the wire's supporting them, and then let them come down. And you're, you're picking them as they're coming down. Now, where we are in Tennessee, we have a hard time keeping them alive long enough to get them coming down. Um, but we're working on that. We're screening our, our hoop houses to keep the cucumber beetles out because they're a, a, a terrible nemesis. Um, but that's the, that's the basic idea with the umbrella trellis system. Just take them up, down a little ways, let them split at the top, and, and just keep picking them as they come down. And by the time they get down to the ground, they're usually pretty well done in. Um, and so we, we definitely succession plant cucumbers once a month. We plant, and we probably should do it more than once a month, plant a new succession of cucumbers. Okay, peppers. This is a, a big key with, with greenhouse peppers. Do you know what the king flower is? The king flower is the one that comes out of the first branching. You know, you'll have one stem and it'll come up and then it'll branch. And then each of those will start wanting to branch. And so that, that king flower, they always recommend taking that off. Because again, you're wanting the, the plant to put its energy into its roots at that point rather than producing fruit. Do we direct sow cucumbers? No, we we um, we use transplants. Yes. Um, so in this picture, you see very tall pepper plants. They can be trained very similar to tomatoes, suckering and but it's a lot of work, and and I would not recommend it. It's usually done in high-tech uh, hydroponic systems. And by the way, if you're buying tomatoes or peppers in the grocery store or any of your berries, 95% um, chance they're being grown hydroponically. Um, and my personal preference and opinion is that I don't care who you are, you don't know what that, plant's need, that plant needs as much as God does in the soil. And I just, I'm not a proponent. And if you like hydroponics, God bless you. But um, it's not something that I'm going to promote. Um, so we recommend stake and weave trellising. We talked about that, but this is how we do it a little different. We put in two stakes, like 12 to 15 inches apart, 
and then just run our strings the same way, but just down those two sides. So you're kind of just keeping the plant in between those two. And that works really well. Peppers, um, peppers can get sunburned, sunscald very easy. And so that allows a little more foliage on them. And, and again, it works well for us. Um, pepper plants are very brittle. Have you figured that out? They break very easily. So you gotta be careful, you know, use pruners to harvest them. Don't just try to tear the, the fruit off or you'll end up breaking branches. Okay, so that's a brief overview of-, of Do you have a picture of the two, the two stakes? A picture of the two stakes. Uh, yeah, I, d I showed the stake and weave already. Sorry, you can look at it later. Um, so again, eggplant can technically be trellised um, to a string like the others. And, and we tried that for a year or two, but it was way too much work. So again, we recommend the stake and weave. Because eggplants are bushier, um, <clears throat> We actually, this last year, just did our stakes down the sides of our 30-inch wide bed. And the string just kind of held them all in there. And, you know, it, it's a little more work finding the fruit because you're kind of looking through. But in our opinion, it was less work than trying to do it another way. I would just say we're, we're learning that um, Asian eggplant, the longer, skinnier ones, um, there's a good market for them. It, you may have to teach. I mean, the reality is Americans aren't into eggplant. That's yeah. so you got to teach them how to like eggplant. Um, you know, the the Middle Easterners and the Asians are very much into eggplants, and so um, if you can get into that market, that's good. Harvesting them immature. You know, eggplants. A mature eggplant is one you would never want to eat. You know, it kind of turns yellow and bitter. And so make sure you don't let them go too long. You can harvest them whatever size you want. Um, okay. Let me catch my breath here. So we're coming to the end here. And so we'll have some time for questions. But one other method I would just mention is this Hortanova netting. You can see it in this picture, a white, some kind of plastic netting. You can use that, and some people are using it for cherry tomatoes in greenhouses. <coughs> so the easiest way I know of to do it is use T-posts with three-quarter inch. You can use um, half inch, but I think it's a little bit flimsy three-quarter inch electrical conduit, the galvanized electrical conduit, and then inch and a quarter PVC tees fit very nicely over the top of a T-post. And then you just run your, your conduit through the T, you know, you've got the T sitting like this, and use the connectors for the T-post, the I mean for the conduit, and it makes a very quick and easy, simple trellis. So with this, you would just weave the top of this netting 
through your or weave the conduit through the top of the netting and you've got a very simple simple um, system there and this can work for green beans cucumbers people use cucumbers with this so um, in many ways a much simpler system but again at the end of the season what do you do with that you know are you gonna untangle all that um, I, I know some people just put the whole thing on the compost pile and try to rescue their trellising the next year after everything's composted off. Is it, is it that durable? Um, it's pretty durable. It's pretty durable. Um, how, how tall is it? Um, it comes in different heights. So I don't know the range, but yeah, it comes, it definitely comes in different heights. So basically anytime the plant's wanting to come out, you just kind of tuck it back in the, the, the holes. One per row? One per row. Um, okay, final trellising tips. And I think I've kind of alluded to some of these, but you gotta start when the plants are small before they need it. Be proactive. Don't wait until they've fallen over. You will regret it. At least we always do. <laughs> so, you know, it's one thing to know what you need to do. It's another thing to actually do it. And, um, but every time we wait too long, we vow to do better next time. It, it just, it will make your work 10 times harder if you wait till those plants have already flopped over. Um, keep on top of it. A stitch in time saves nine. Little attentions often repeated. Do it before it needs to be done. You know, I think these sayings that we grew up hearing from our mothers probably all came from the garden, right? I mean, because they knew these things and we got to relearn them. And so I think the, the, the key is to schedule time every week for trellising. Have it in your schedule. Um, otherwise, you know, it's, there's always something more pressing and it'll never get done. And then, oh man, I mean, we have, we have tried to trellis tomato vines that, you know, literally were about this tall. And I don't have time to explain. It wasn't all our fault. Um, but, you know, to try to deal with that, untangle the vines when they're all over the ground and sucker them and to do that without them breaking, and it's just a nightmare. Um, okay, and finally, this is the book I was talking about that has um, a lot of information, probably more information than most of you want but best practices for the eight most profitable greenhouse crops. And then these are the three places I'm aware of to get the clippers. Um, they're here actually at the Farmer's Friend booth. I told Jonathan to bring them because I was gonna be pushing them. Um, but that's it. So we've got five minutes for questions. I know I went pretty fast um, and there's a lot more I could have said, but that was the quick view. You talked about the, it gets hotter the higher you go up in the greenhouse, and I've all experienced that. But what height should you be shutting down 
I have seen pictures of greenhouses with them up there almost 10 feet. Okay, what, when you say what height should you be shutting down? Oh, okay. Um, you know, modern greenhouses are going taller and taller, actually, because they've figured out, you know, um, that heat's just going to go up. So the taller they get them, the more, um, you know, and another way to do it is just have taller sides. If you can add on to the sides and have taller sides, that helps. You know, there's no... I don't know if there's any um, set rule I could tell you as to how high, you know, obviously if you're using like the clippers, you want your clippers to match the height. We have one greenhouse that the trusses, you know, the easiest way to run your, your wires is through the truss because that supports it and it's not just Another thing I should just mention, you don't want the, the trellis wires just supported on the ends because we have seen our metal end walls just bow in from the weight of, of the greenhouse load on them. So by running them through the trusses, it's spreading out the load. Um, so yeah, we have one, one greenhouse that the, the truss is about that high. You know, so um, the wires are pretty tall. But again, with this system, it's it's a breeze. You're just moving it like that. So how do you how do you keep the wire like taut throughout? So I did that. I ran it over the trusses, but like in between the trusses, it would start going in. So is there a trick to like, maintain that tension? Yeah. How do you keep the tension on the wires? Well, there is a trick if you use high tensile wire. There's um, something called a, a grippler, right, Joshua? Um, it's a tool, and you have these little, oh, what, I don't know what you call them, little gripples. That's what they're called. You can find it at, oh, well, online. But that tool, it, the, the gripple lets the wire come in, but it can't go back out. So you have this tool just cranking down on the wire as it goes in there and you can get it as tight as you want it that way but again you be careful because you're going to pull your end walls in um, you can use it with the cable okay yeah so they they have gripples that you can use on uh, cable as well so that's the one way we we don't worry about getting them super tight you know and and they they may sag a little between the trusses it's it's not a big deal okay any other questions we've got one more minute yes you mentioned some of the that system some of it works for outdoors some of it doesn't oh yeah if, if, if in one minute yeah <laughs> so what would I do outdoors definitely stake and weave there's a lot of stake and weave that's done outdoors the reason I don't recommend string trellising, and people do it, I've seen pictures of people doing it, but I think it's maybe up north more where they don't have as intense a sun. And, but two reasons I don't recommend it. Number one, you'll have big issues with sun scald on your tomatoes if you're, if you're suckering them all outside. There's, there's just too much sun. You need more foliage for it being outside. 
The second reason is, you know, at least in our part of the country, those tomatoes are going to succumb to disease sooner or later um, with all the rain we get. And so you need, the more foliage you have, the longer the plant's going to last before it dies, right? So by suckering and pruning, you're just shortening the life of the plant. Okay, well, I hope it wasn't too fast. I hope you got some, some, let's just end with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you again for your presence, and we pray that um, some of the information that was shared can be of use to those who are here, and I pray that you would just bless each one in their gardening endeavors. Teach them as they work with you in the garden. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.